Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we're able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. It's time once again for a little running talk, a little Bible talk, and a whole lot of encouraging talk. <laughs> Joining me after after having Angie fill his seat last week is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. Uh, yeah, so this week... We've got a great story this week, mm-hmm. very interesting story. Um, it's going to be a little bit different in mm-hmm. its format, and it's, I think it's going to be fun. So the great stories, they just keep rolling in. Um, and we're going to talk about kind of keeping your head up when there seem to be insurmountable odds in front of you. Now, a lot of you may be listening to this thinking, oh, that's me right now. And so you don't want to miss this story. And then I'm going to share Dean's thoughts with a story that I call Just Relax. So, I think you've uh, said that to me before, haven't you? I'm pretty sure. I've said that to a lot of people. Uh, Just chill out, Mitchell. <laughs> hey, it was fun having Angie last podcast, huh? Yeah, you know, I, just a little backstory on the reason she was on. Um, you know, everybody knows, or, or we've talked about on this on this podcast before, that typically I don't know what we're going to talk about until the morning of, and, and that's that's by design. You know, you, you've been going through it, and I— we want it to hit me kind of fresh. Uh, so you kind of send me an outline the morning of, and I, I spend some time in the morning going through it, praying about it. And last week you had sent me the story, and I was reading through it, and it was it was Angie Hawkins' story. And as I was reading it, I thought, you know what? She needs to tell this story. And yeah. Angie just lives uh, a couple hours south of us. And so we just picked up the phone, and I called Angie, and I said, you, you may think I'm crazy, but— um, you want to come up here and do the podcast? And she said, when do you want me there? I mean, it was just instant. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. I think she really got outside of her comfort zone, which is good. Yeah. Uh, I think you guys had a good time. I kind of took a back seat during that podcast, which I don't mind doing because um, there's always there's better talent than me out there. And she definitely <laughs> fits that bill. So, uh, so yeah, it was a great it was a great podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Angie could do an entire podcast by herself. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, so. Looking at the world around us right now, um, it, it looks like the whole world of COVID is it's it's starting to subside some. I know the the death rates are still up a little bit, but mm-hmm. the the hospitalizations and the the infections are going down, which always leads to better numbers on the other end. You know, I was listening to a doctor just the other day, and of course, you, the problem nowadays you don't know which doctors to listen to, which ones not to listen to. But but somebody was saying that by this fall. Hopefully this should all be in our rearview mirror, and I yeah. hope he's right. Man, me too. Uh, but it, I mean, it does. It things like seems like it's starting to get that way. I mean, I think the vaccinations have given a lot of, you know, it's it's kind of it, at least there's an end date. It looks like maybe it does. Uh, I hope. I think it's probably always going to be around from yeah. here on. Uh, we're going to have to learn to to live with it. Um, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Sure, absolutely. absolutely. So you know, I remember when. 
the coronavirus interrupted our podcast right after we had started it. (laughs) And we are bound and determined, folks, to outlast this thing. (laughs) So right now we're still going strong. And so we are bound and determined to outlast the coronavirus. Us and Corona almost had the same birthday. (laughs) That's right. Podcast and Corona, yeah. That is correct. Uh, Our trivia question from last week. There was a guy from the USA who won the 1972 Olympic marathon and set off the distance running boom we enjoy today. What was his name? Did you know this one? I I want to say I did. I I I had the answer obviously when I read it, and I feel like I did know it, but I don't really know because yeah. I saw the answer as I was reading the question. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I I do know this name, and I, I know that he kind of started the the yeah. distance running boom. Yeah, and if you're if you're like me and you've been running for a long time, if you ran in the in the I started in the seventies and ran through the eighties. I was and, born in the seventies, by the way. So yeah, thanks. Just throwing that out there. Appreciate that reminder. <laughs> um, this, but this is one of those people. These are one of those people that everybody knew who this guy was in the 80s right. i mean he was just a household name if you were a runner and of course we're talking about frank shorter mm-hmm. uh, frank shorter won the 1972 olympic marathon and then he finished second in the 1976 olympic marathon um so he it, the most successful um u.s marathoner mm-hmm. um, ever so uh, frank shorter great guy great ambassador for the sport um, he's 73 years old today. Interestingly, he was born in Munich, Germany. Hmm. Guess where the Olympics were when he won the Olympics? Munich, Germany. Munich, Germany. So, hmm. uh, yeah, it was it was kind of interesting that he got to got to run at home and win the Olympics. Um, the the crazy part about his win is that you know back in that day. Uh, something that we don't we know now like you get somebody who does something crazy at a baseball game and they mm-hmm. run out on the field or something mm-hmm. and now we what the cameras do is they go away from that they don't show it mm-hmm. and so you don't get as much of that well this was at a time when people did crazy stuff like that and the cameras were showing it right because it was it was interesting well a guy came running in the the stadium uniform on and everything the people in the crowd thought this guy was winning the marathon <laughs> and he was just some imposter who came running into the stadium looking like he won so when frank shorter came into the stadium it was relatively quiet because for all the people that were in the stadium they're thinking well this is the second place second guy place guy uh, and he was the guy winning and so frank shorter just kind of he kind of thought it's okay i know i'm winning um, he, he was a little odd to him, but uh, it was. Uh, can you imagine the great? I moment. can't imagine. You know, I, I'm, this is just coming to me. You know, I almost did that same exact thing years ago when I first started running. We were camping down at Callaway Gardens uh, in kind of West Georgia here, and I went out for a run one morning. And it, I think it was a longer run, maybe six or eight miles, something like that. And I was feeling really good that day. And I remember I come up beside a guy who he, he just didn't appear to be out on his normal run. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. I don't think I have. He didn't appear to be just out on a normal run. He, In fact, he had a, a uh, like a triathlon kit on. Um, but it wasn't like sponsoring anything. And 
I don't really know what I thought about this guy. I, I came up beside him. We were running shoulder to shoulder, and we're in the middle of Callaway Gardens, and I, I tried to just spark up conversation with this guy. He wasn't talking. And I thought, this is weird. And then it wasn't a minute later, and I started hearing an announcer. <laughs> and I, it hit me. I thought, I've stumbled into a race of some co- I didn't know what kind of race it was. I had no idea. And uh, come to find out, this was the guy who was winning the Callaway Gardens triathlon. <laughs> and I was actually a triathlete at the time. I had no idea there was a triathlon going on. I had no idea there was anything going on. And I'm running beside this guy, and we get to this road, and I can tell he's about to take a left. And I look, and I can see the finish line. Dean, the thought went through my head. I was very fresh at the time. And this guy was at the end of his rope. I could have outkicked him to that finish line and done exactly what you're talking about. But I didn't. I can't believe the story's coming back to me. Oh, but, yeah, awesome. I was. I almost did the same exact thing. It would have been very dishonest, but it would have been absolutely – this story would be a lot better if I'd have turned and <laughs> – and went into that finish line because I could have outkicked him. Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome story. Yeah. So everybody out there, you, we know now that Mitchell is a party crasher. Uh, almost. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Almost party. I really did think about it. I thought this would be so funny. Yeah. If I did this. Uh, if you'd have known it wasn't the win, I don't know. Maybe that made it better that it was the winner. Well, I say he was the winner. I assume it was the winner because yeah. he was the only person. Of course, it's a very windy road, so I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see anybody behind us. Yeah. But I also looked, and I could hear the crowd screaming, and there was it appeared that there was nobody else up there. Yeah. So I'm assuming this was the guy that was winning it, and yeah. he was on a mission. I mean, he was running a pretty good pace, uh, but he was at the end of a triathlon, and I was at the beginning of my run. So I'm trying um, to picture that. You know, I've run the Callaway Gardens Marathon two or three times. And I'm trying to picture that. I've won the Callaway Gardens Marathon, actually. And so I'm trying to picture that over the last <laughs> that last mile of some guy coming up and running beside me and trying to talk to me, <laughs> wondering how I would respond to that. So I'm going to tell one more story on that same note. we uh, If you've ever been to a Run for God race, you know what we do, especially the half marathon that we do um, each April and, and uh, at Run at the Mill. Uh, when our triathlon team was the triathlon team that we coach was really big, we would always send out the kids. They were kids at the time, uh, six to twelve years old. We would send them out once that last finisher was getting like within a mile. We would send all the kids out and run with that last finisher in. And you know, if you've ever been to our half marathon, the crowd is louder for that last finisher than it is for the first finisher. Yeah. And I'll never forget, Lane, I guess, was probably nine. Landon was six. And um, we rounded all the kids up. I got a phone call saying the last finisher is is about a mile out. So I, I got all the kids together, probably 20 kids. And I said, head, head backwards on the course, find that last finisher, and then run them in. Well, we had done this before, and all the kids knew that once you get, you know, a couple hundred feet or 100 yards out from the finish line, you back off and you let that person have their their day. They're, everybody's cheering for them. They're the last finisher. It's it's very emotional. It's pretty cool to see. Well, my youngest son, Landon, this was his first year doing triathlon. It was his first year doing this, and we didn't explain this concept to Landon. Yeah. 
And so we see them all come over the hill. And Landon had already ran the 5K. Yeah. And they all came over the hill, and we saw all, you know, they got started coming into the finish line, and, and all the kids backed off except one. <laughs> Landon. And it was Landon. And he saw, in Landon's mind, he saw, well, there's the finish line. Everybody's screaming and yelling, I'm going to beat this lady. <laughs> Landon takes off in a dead sprint. I think everybody was rolling because they knew what was happening. Yeah. But Landon, in his mind, is like, I'm winning this race. All these people are screaming for me. And I think the lady that he even outkicked at the end was laughing because they saw what was going on. Yeah, so, they all knew. He was a little guy. That's, our, uh, that's my finish line crashing story. So uh, we're uh, – A couple of finish line crashing stories. Uh, well, uh, so that's what happened to – Frank Shorter. Um, Frank Shorter's father was a doctor, so Frank Frank was a really smart guy. He mm-hmm. went to Yale, graduated from Yale, undergraduate, and then went to graduate school at the University of Florida uh, at the law school there at the University of Florida, which is a pretty good law school. Um, so that was his his profession. He actually went to the University of New Mexico in between that to become a doctor, mm-hmm. but the classes kind of cut into his training schedule a little bit too much and so he decided yeah i don't want to be a doctor that bad <laughs> and so he went to the university of florida which it turns out turned to be, turned out to be a great move for him because jack bachelor was in gainesville florida jack bachelor was another big name he and jack bachelor both were on that same olympic team and so he trained with jack bachelor um, and of course in 1972 it was jack bachelor and jeff galloway who almost everybody knows mm-hmm. jeff galloway's name um, that were on that 1972 Olympic team. So there's a book called Once a Runner. It's one of my favorite books um, of all time. And it's a fictional book, completely mm-hmm. fictional. But a couple of the characters in that book are basically based on Bachelor and Shorter. Hmm. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of history there with, with him. So um, it, w- it was cool. Now, in 1976, Frank Shorter finished second in the Olympic marathon, but he finished second to Waldemar Czerpinski. Waldemar Czerpinski was from East Germany, who, if you know your history, back then East Germany was not the cleanest of countries when it came to performing. Um, there's still some, uh, particularly women's records, that are still there today because they, they Not were the cleanest in terms of doping. Drugs. Yeah. Drugs. Yeah, and so they had this whole drug, and you know this was all uncovered later. And so you know the thoughts are that Waldemar Chapinski probably um, was hmm. illegitimate in his win because they didn't have the drug testing right. then that they have today. Um, and so, and he was later pretty much implicated in all of that drug drug stuff. So Frank Shorter should have won two Olympic gold medals. Hmm. Um, anyway, interesting. Um, so. Eventually, Frank Shorter became chairman of the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, actually helped create that agency, I'm sure in part um, prodded by this whole idea of uh, that, you know, what happened to him. He knew what happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, let, let's see if we can prevent that Fix from happening this, yeah. to other folks in the future. So, uh, yeah. So is he still, I know Jeff Galloway is still very prominent on the run, in the running scene. Is, is Frank Shorter as well? Frank Shorter, I don't hear his name much. Yeah, he talks about it a lot. Frank Shorter had a apparel company for a while mm-hmm. um, in the eighties, um, and I don't I, I don't know what happened to that. I imagine I don't know if he sold it to somebody else or what. But uh, he's still around. He's still a good uh, proponent for right. the sport, but yeah. doesn't 
doesn't get involved and he doesn't coach like right. Jeff Galloway does and stuff yeah. like that. So, hmm. um, of course, he was inducted into the United States Olympic Hall of Fame in 1984 the USA National Track and Field Hall of Fame in 1989, and the National Distance Running Hall of Fame in 1998. So, again, great ambassadors for the sport. A lot of national championships in the like in the 10K and other things on the track as well as the marathon. So um, hmm. he is a very, very successful runner. Um, but here's one of the things about Frank Shorter that a lot of people don't know is that Frank Shorter was abused when he was young his father was was pretty abusive hmm. really really tough on on shorter um shorter talks about i can't remember the quote but he talks about he he understood the the buckle end of a belt really mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and um so he went through all of this stuff and now he advocates for abused folks today because of what he went through uh, and you see a lot of successful people at least i feel like i see a lot of successful people that had a life like that at some point in time, sure. overcame those things. And be, it was part of what – maybe that was part of the reason why, you know, that hard training – because his his workouts were legendary. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those those training sessions, probably not near as hard as some of the sessions he had with his dad. Hmm. And so uh, I, it, it just – it'll it'll help you. Um, I remember a guy back in the 90s when I was a youth leader. We took our youth group to SuperWow, which is in Jekyll Island, Georgia. And they had this group there called the Power Team. And the Power Team was one of these groups, you know, they do these feats of strength. They smash blocks with their heads. And they, uh, I think he even had some ice that he broke. And there was um, tearing phone books in half and license plates in half and doing stuff like that. Uh, and he would blow up, you know, those red water bottles. Mm-hmm. He would blow those like up. Like a water bladder. Like, yeah, yeah. He would blow those up until it exploded. That's I mean, crazy. Imagine the strength of the lungs to be yeah. able to do that. I mean, just he did a lot of crazy stuff. But this guy could also sing. So he would do all these crazy acts of strength, and then he would get behind a microphone with his guitar, and he would sing. Hmm. Um, and it was really cool. But then I'll never forget, he would get through singing, and then he would tell, give his testimony. And his testimony was crazy powerful. Um, he had this terrible relationship with his dad, kind of estranged from his dad for a little while. They kind of make up and they kind of get back together when he was 12. Imagine that when he was as young as he was. He's got no relationship with his father at nine years old. Um, reconciles at 12. A few years later, his father is shot and killed by a business associate. So there's one thing that the poor this, this guy goes through. And then two years later, his stepfather winds up committing suicide. Hmm. And this guy finds his stepfather after he had committed suicide. Uh, a lot for a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, not long after that, he goes to a party. A lot of stuff going on that shouldn't be going on. Somebody, I can't remember if somebody was actually killed, but I, there was a gun involved. Somebody was shot. It was bad. And what happened was all the other people at this party took off and he was kind of left like i you know he wasn't part of that that happened but he was kind of implicated in it because he was the one there mm-hmm. and the police found him and they questioned him and of course he, he didn't wind up i don't think he wound up going to jail or anything like that but it was a, it was a tough thing for him to go through and it was at that point that he finally looked at his life and said what am i doing mm-hmm. and that's where he found christ hmm. um and there's so many things out there, so many people out there uh, 
who go through these tough times in their life and become so much stronger on the backside. And that's why he created this power team that did what they did. And then he became uh, this singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he sang a lot, of, a lot of Christian music in that day. Well, now, if you're a country music fan, you may know the name Michael Peterson. That's hmm. who it was. Uh, Michael Peterson sang the song Drink, Swear, Steal, and Lie, <laughs> which is nothing like what the, <laughs> what the title, what the title like. says. Um, but, uh, but a great, great guy, great testimony. And a lot of times there's these people out there that we look at that are right in front of us. That are, This guy's performing in front of us. We have no idea what he went through when he was younger. And uh, I just think it's a powerful testimony. Hmm. Yeah, so, it is. Yep. Hey, we have uh, a ton of YouTube videos out there. Besides these marathon challenge videos and things, there's a lot of resources out there. If you're part of Run Club and maybe you just joined in the last month or so, and maybe you haven't really dug through some of those, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of stuff that's been out there that we've done for quite a few years ago. Yeah, you can find most of it under the media tab Yeah, on, uh, on Run Club. Yeah, so we encourage you to kind of check those out because sometimes you know when you're feeling down and it's, it's tough to get going. Sometimes mm-hmm. a little video will give you a good kick in the pants. Sure. Does me. While you are working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We have partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Mitchell, Lane, Holly, me, and others that you hear on the Run Club podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist now at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. All right, we're back. We're back. And uh, you can send messages to dean at runforgod.com. Don't forget that um, I just, I've been emailing back and forth with a couple of folks this week, just trying to to help them wade through some difficulties, and um, you can always do that. If you've got some things you want to see us do differently, then, gosh, let us know. Um, we're we're open. We, we like change. We like to do things different, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, we did something different last week, and maybe you're one of those who you live close enough, um, or maybe you, maybe you live far away, but you could still make it to the Run for God studios and, and be part of our You've got a story, and you want to share your story like Angie did. Well, let us know about that. You do a great job reading people's stories, but not, the person telling themselves is – you just can't beat it. No. And I think people are going to – well, people already have yeah. uh, heard that from Angie. Um, she she does it way more justice than you and I could ever do it. Uh, so, yeah, if you've, got a, if you've got a story and you can make it to Dalton or Chattanooga – We'd love to have you. Yep, yep. You definitely have a story. And even if you don't think you do, you do. You do. <laughs> so, But before we get to this week's, this week's story is going to be a little bit different because this isn't really a story per mm-hmm. se that was submitted to us normally in, in kind of the normal fashion. But I'm just going to tell you, this lady we're going to talk about, she's not the average, normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill, run-for-God person anyway. And so I think it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get to that, Let's talk about the Couch to Marathon. How's it going? It's going awesome. Yeah. I'm, uh, we're having a ball doing it. But we've got some struggles. There are some struggles that I want to take this next few minutes in and talk about. Um, 
You know, two things that we can guarantee about running, whether it's a 5K or whether it's a marathon. One, it's going to be uncomfortable. Two, it's going to be worth it. You know, we've got some some real issues that we need to discuss over the next few minutes, um, and these are issues that we've we've had before, and we're going to have again, and we're going to continue discussing these issues from really now on. You know, we're we're never going to be out of a job for talking about these things because th- this is just human nature. But I want to talk this morning about the trap of comparison. Um, you know, we'll talk about this in the context of, of running, uh, but this applies to all areas of our life. It could be the comparison of uh, money. It could be fame. It could be talent. It could be a lot of different things. But we're going to talk about it in the context of running. You know, outside of injuries, the trap of comparison can end your running qu- career just about quicker than anything. Yeah, And it's because that's kind of our human nature is – we look around and we say, well, that person's better. That person makes more money. That person has more fame. That person's faster. You know, we fall into this trap of comparison all the time. And we, we've seen that over the past few days. We're in, what, week three or four and week three of the marathon challenge. But it's it's week three of the 5K challenge right now. And whether, whether you, everybody listening to this thinks it or not, we pay close attention to what's going on. And the Run Club Facebook group. We we see the struggles, and I'm so proud of our group because, man, this group just comes around people almost instantly. Before yeah. I can get on there and see what's going on, questions have been answered, encouragement's been given, and a lot of times people already feel better, uh, and they're so thankful that they're part of this group. But let's talk about the, the three types of runners that we have in this group. Number one, we have what I call the seasoned high-octane runners. Now, Dean, you fall into this category. Uh, I put Lane in this category, uh, my son Lane. I put there's some others in this group who fall into that category. You can see all you got to do is pull up their Strava, and you can tell they're high-octane. Go get it. I want to be the best runner I can be. These are the people who they commit a lot of time to their craft you know, Lane is in Lane is in St. George, Utah, right now as we're doing this. Lane's not taking a senior trip. He's not doing all the normal things that a high school senior does. He's out there fine-tuning his craft. You have the goal of breaking state records and, and doing things that most 98, 99% of the people can't do. That's, that's our high-octane people. Now let's take Lane. We, we, we were talking about Lane on the way up here. Lane has a goal of one day of being in the Olympics. Lane will never get to the Olympics if he falls into the trap of comparing himself to other people. That's right. You know, there are always people faster. You say this all the time. There's always somebody faster. Well, the correct thing for a even a high-octane runner to do is use those faster people as motivation. And that's where the really great runners have – that's what they've done is they've, they've looked at those people and they said, not oh, they're faster than me. They've looked at them and said, I want to beat them. Yeah, it's a matter of not comparison but aspiring to. Aspiring to. Yeah. Absolutely right. So, so that's, that's one group of runners that's in our club. And that, 
man, they are golden. We need those people in our club. The second group is probably, I'm going to say the second and third group are probably tied for the size, uh, what percentage of our group they take up. The second group is recreational runners. Uh, I put myself and many others in this group in that classification. They, they love to run, but they don't have the desire of high-octane runner. They, they do this to stay fit. Um, they do this because it's a lifestyle, and it keeps them healthy. It keeps them able to do other things. And, and they look at high-octane runners, and they're inspired. You know, it's, it's not that I, I don't have the thought that I want to beat Dean Thompson one day. That thought has never crossed my mind. It's a good thing. Hey. <laughs> Start talking smack. And I couldn't, couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. Sorry. But but it's true. It's I have my own goals, and most people in this group have their own goals of why they're why they're in this club. But they look at high octane runners. I love Angie uh, Hawkins, who was on here last week. She made a comment on one of the posts. She said, "It's funny how we all look at things different." I look at people like Dean, and I don't know if she said any of the names, but I look at people like that and I'm inspired by what I see and it makes me be better at this craft even though my aspirations are not to be that high octane runner. So that's group number 2. We've we've talked about high octane runners and we've talked about recreational runners. Let's talk about the third group and this is where I want to park for just a minute. These are new are coming back to running runners. Mm-hmm. Um you know, over the years, we've had over 200,000 people fall into this category. Um, we know what these people are thinking. We, we know what you're thinking. If you're in this group, we, we understand. Um, trust us. You know, these, these are the people who they've, they've never run or exercised, or maybe it's been years since they've run or exercised. Many of these people are overweight. Mm. They're they're in this club and they're overweight, and they're they're looking around and they're and they're starting to think, why am I here? You know, what am I doing here? Not why am I here? What am I doing here? Some of them may be depressed, and they don't even know it. Yeah. And this this group could maybe it's bringing some of that to light. Um, you know, I I want this group of people to understand. I know what you're dealing with. Mm. You know, from a mental side, maybe not so much, and we're going to get that in. We're going to get into that just for, in just a minute. But from a physical side, listen, listen to me. If you can hear my voice, I did that 90 second run yesterday beside all of you, and mm. it was hard for me. I haven't ran in, in almost a year. I took almost a year off of running. So I know exactly what you're going through. Physically, because that 90 second run, it, it was a struggle for me. It's, it's not as much of a struggle um, mentally because, because I've been there before. Right. But many of the people listening right now haven't been there before. So trust me. Trust me and listen to me. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. If you're in this category, listen closely to my voice. You can do this. Amen. You can. This plan is not too aggressive. It's not. Nope. 
200,000 people, over 200,000 people have gone through this plan. It works. Don't let yourself go there. I can understand completely why the mind wants to go there. Mm-hmm. Well, this is just too much. It's too hard. It's, it's too this. This is us looking for excuses not to do it. That's right. Um, don't compare yourself to those first two groups. Use them as inspiration. You know, everyone in the first two categories started right where we're at. Mm-hmm. You had your first run. That's right. And you thought that first three weeks of running, you were going to die. Correct? Yep. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, everybody. If you're in week three or week four of this program right now, everybody has been where you're at. Know that. Yeah. Know that everybody has been there. I can remember vividly. And, and it doesn't matter what age you are. No. Start at, age is no factor here. Yeah, yeah. Age is no factor. That's that's another excuse that we're going to just kick out. Right. It's it's You're not too old. Right. We've had people older than you doing this program. I can remember vividly, vividly, my very first class, I was running beside a lady, um, a, lo- a lady who was older than me, and I remember in that very first class, it was dark. We were having the class at night, and we were going up this hill at one of our local parks, and I remember her saying, Mitchell Hollis, I hate you. <laughs> and I wore that as a badge of honor yeah. because I was pushing this lady outside her comfort zone to do something that she knew she could not do. And she was vocalizing it right then. Well, guess who that lady is? Gay Coker. Gay Coker, who is on our staff now, who's ran many, many races. She's ran many half marathons now. 11 years ago, Gay was saying in week three of this class, I hate you, Mitchell Hollis, for putting me through this. Mm -hmm. Now, she was joking, maybe not. Half. Half, half joking. Yeah. Maybe she still thinks that now. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes. But she, she, it changed her life, and it can change your life too. Uh, it's hard. I get it. It's incredibly hard. I tell people all the time, the hardest miles you will ever run to become a runner is that first two miles. Yep. The first 20 minutes. The first 20 minutes of this class, we don't get there until week eight of this class. Until week eight, we're running and walking and running and walking and running. And I hope that's what you're doing. I hope you're not skipping ahead because I've got a bone to pick with you on another (laughs) issue. But I'm talking to the person who thinks they're not going to be able to make it. Go with me to week eight. Go with me to that first 5K because you will have a breakthrough. We've done this long enough to know that if you will stick with it, you will have a breakthrough both mentally and physically. Now, it may be in week eight. It may be that first 20-minute run, and you say you can't do it, and you get done with it, and the floodgates open, and you're crying your eyes out. I've seen this. Amen. It may not come to your first 5K. Yep. We Everybody's different on when they have that breakthrough, but rest assured you will have that breakthrough. Um, if you're in this category— Get out your piece of paper and write down why you started this. We talk about this in the class a lot, but it it bears repeating. Write down why you started this and put it on your bathroom mirror. I've already seen several posts of 26.2 written on people's bathroom mirrors. That is awesome. Yeah, it is. But if you don't have your why in front of you every moment of every day, if you're not seeing that every day, something else is going to creep in. Yep. It's going to be 
this class is too hard. It's too aggressive. I don't have time. My work is crazy. Whatever. We all have these things. You 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 ran what? 300 miles last month. 330. 330 miles. Yeah. You're a busy guy. Yeah. You, but you've learned to get rid of those excuses, to yeah. not let those enter your mind. Think about the flagship verse for Run For God. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, I'm going to break this down and I'm going to read it slowly. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Okay. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people are watching us. That's right. They're watching you in this process, and they're watching how you react, how you respond, who you're giving glory to, how you're what your sportsmanship is, what your attitude is. And the devil is trying his best to sour every bit of that. That's right. So know that people are watching you. That's why we always say that for, for instructors or coaches who want to teach this class, watch out because your second class is going to be much larger than your first. And it's because your first class may have 10 people, but rest assured there's 200 people watching those 10. Yep. And then they say, oh, well, Sally can do it. I can do it. Yeah. So know that people are watching you. You're surrounded by that great cloud of, of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily ensnares us. What are the things that hinder us? I can't. Most of the things that hinder us are in the six inches between our ears. That's right. No doubt about it. That's right. It's I can't. It's this this program is too aggressive. It's it's too long. It's too much. All the things we've already talked about. And let us run the race with endurance that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you're listening to this, was God involved in bringing you to this ministry? Mm, good question. I have to think he was. Mm-hmm. We hear it all the time. So if if God was involved in bringing you to this ministry— then he helped you formulate that goal, whatever that goal is. If it's a 5K, if it's a 10K, or maybe you're doing the, the marathon challenge with us, then it, then it begs to reason that if that goal is up on your mirror, you're fixing your eyes on Jesus every morning when you get up. Jesus birthed this inside of you, and he put this goal in front of you. And if you've got that goal on your mirror and you're looking at it every day, to me, it's not far it's not much of a stretch to say this is fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. He birthed this through us. Guys, I love every one of you listening to this. Mm. And I'm sure I stepped on some toes here. And if I did, good. Um, you know, I tell my pastor all the time, his best sermons are the ones that I leave that sanctuary mad at him. Mm-hmm. A little uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He got too close. Charlie, you shouldn't have. Mm, you're meddling here. But I know, just like HR 11 years yep. ago now said, Mitch, don't let this become your God. I was so upset with HR Poe. But I realized that was God speaking through HR Poe. So yep. if, if God can use you and I, you know, we're not, we're not here to make you feel good. Dean and I are not here to make you feel good. We're, 
we're here to help you do something that you might have never thought was possible. Sometimes it's messy. Yeah. Sometimes this process is messy, but in the end, it's worth it. Absolutely. So, Dean, thank you for yielding some of the time here, and I'll turn the floor back over to you yeah, after I'm off my soapbox. No, that's, that's a good soapbox to be on because there's a lot of doubt out there, and there always is a lot of doubt. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of doubt in every area of our lives, and running is one of them, but there's doubt in a lot of other spaces sure. too. That and is, that's why this, that's why I think this is so great because if you can conquer the doubt and the fear and everything that comes along with doing this program, whatever it is you're doing, the 5K, the 10K, the marathon, yeah. if you can overcome it in this area of your life, it's going to bleed over to every area of your life. And, and we've seen it over and over and absolutely. over. Absolutely. Yep. It's, it's happened in my life. Um, yeah, by the way, you know, I did a little smack talk there and just – I'll get you back. I'll, occa- I'll, I'll occasionally, you know, I'll occasionally like to talk. I like to feel good about myself sometimes, and I'll talk about some of the accomplishments that I have. I'm not a very good smack talker. It's re- after I said that, I was like, "Ugh, I didn't feel good." So, um, yeah, uh, I'm not. I knew what you were saying. Yeah. Um, so we have a story this week. Well, we have kind of a story. We have a, a situation here. This this lady's name is Shawnette Nelson. And she goes by the name Storm. Um, mm. And you're going to probably understand why she goes by this name um, just after kind of looking at what we now, – now, what we've got here is not a story that she wrote, but some emails that have gone back and forth. And so let me start with an email that she sent to me just, just recently. She said, Hi, Dean. Not sure if you remember talking to me on the phone a, f- a few years ago. Uh, I can imagine you talk to hundreds of folks, uh, so I'll try to keep this short as possible while trying to jog your memory, pun intended. It was my second year teaching a Run for God class here in Phoenix, Arizona. Literally two weeks before the final class, one of the ladies in my class who served as a recovery leader for our inner city church outreach program was notified that her 15-year-old son was found dead in an accidental drug overdose. At the same time, my three-year-old daughter, who is a twin, was undergoing chemotherapy injections and IV infusions. Mind you, this was all while I was teaching this class. To say that God used this class as a tool to pull us out of the very grip of the enemy and pulled us together closer than our own blood relatives would be an understatement. By God's incredible grace, we laced up our shoelaces and we showed up early that hot summer morning to finish our race together that we set out to complete in the first place. There were tears for so many reasons that day, but mostly of gratitude and joy, which outshined everything else. I had custom memorial runner tags or numbers made that we pinned to the back of our Run for God shirts. I have attached the photos and we'll show those. I look at how far God brought us in just a few years. My daughter was taken off chemo and IV infusions just recently. We have been fighting, praying for almost three long years. Just two weeks ago, we just found out from both specialists and the cardiologist that although they can't medically explain it, her heart and body are completely normal. And I quote, perfect. The cardiologist said himself that they can't explain it. I told him I could. It's all God. God is good all the time. 
So that was her that was her email to me, and then this was my response, at least in part, to her. First, let me say that I have the worst memory for people and names of almost anyone on the planet. <laughs> I keep saying that there is one thing that works better on me year after year, my forgetter. Anyway, having said that, I absolutely remember our conversation a few years ago. I think you mentioned to me at the time that you were not the typical run-for-God coach. It stuck with me. Your desire to help others and to be a light in the community was very strong and apparently still is. I'm excited to hear from you and even more excited to hear about your daughter. Praise God. I'm so glad you reached out to us. I probably don't specifically remember five people I talked with in all those calls a few years ago, but you were special. Your heart was so loud. So um, this lady, I, I just I remember the phone call. I remember it so vividly because of her um, her situation, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, she was in a tough situation. Not only was she in a tough situation at the time that she describes here, but she had gone through a lot of tough situations through mm -hmm. her life. This was this was kind of just the way things have gone mm -hmm. for her. But to see her light shine so bright and to see her be so concerned about these people at this, this place where she's trying to help these people uh, – overcome hard things themselves, mm -hmm. uh, it was just so impactful to me. Uh, and then recently she also sent, uh, from a couple of weeks before she sent me that, she sent this, uh, it was kind of a, she wrote to tell us about her situation and kind of a request. And so this is what it was. Greetings. Not sure if you all remember me, but I'm a running coach here in Phoenix, Arizona. I taught a Run for God class two years in a row. I have some great news and a request. I took time off coaching due to my daughter, age five, undergoing chemotherapy injections and IV therapy infusions. I'm a single mom of four, and as you can imagine, the costs add up. Long story short, I lost my apartment. The rent was $1,400 a month, plus everyday living expenses. The very woman's transition home I had been volunteered, volunteering for during the Run for God classes uh, ended up taking me in for shelter. Keep in mind, I lost my belongings. My Run for God coaching uh, kit was included in all that stuff. And she wanted to see if there was an option to replace that. Um, so God is still so good and continues to bless and move for, the, for my good and my family. My daughter is no longer on the chemo injections. Her heart has been healed. I'm starting with a clean slate. And now with your help, we can reach others with another Run for God class here in Phoenix. God is not done with me yet. The comeback is going to, to be better than I can even imagine. Thanks, Thank you in advance. May abundant peace and grace be with you. Hmm. Seanette, Coach Storm, Nelson. <laughs> Again, I remember her really well, um, and she just was, was so impactful in telling her story of the things that she overcome and again, or overcame. And the the idea that the the chief thing on her mind, even though she she kind of tells these stories about her daughter and about the other things that she's gone through, and those are kind of afterthoughts mm -hmm. because her big I remember the conversation was her big thing was I want to do I want to do stuff for these people mm -hmm. who are who are having a tough life. Well, I mean, the thing that sticks out to me is she she says in that last message that she lost everything. Yeah. But what's the first thing she's wanting back? 
a run for God kit so she can go back to teaching and helping other people. That's yeah. that's the thing that sticks out to me the most. Yeah. Um, was that was her focus was helping other people when she found herself in a situation where she needed to be helped. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, incredible story. Sounds a lot like uh, a story that another story that was told on this podcast not long ago. Mm-hmm. When your dad got some help from a, a kind of a connection. Absolutely. That you made that wasn't really related, but it turned out to be related. Yeah, God God knows God knows how to weave this basket. He sure does. He sure does. So I have come up with some questions that I, that, that, that I want to ask. How do we stay focused on God when the world around us seems to be crumbling? <clears throat> I can't help but, but think about Job. We're going through Job as a church right now. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. I would. I hope that if I ever found myself in in her situation, and we all could find ourselves in that situation, that's right. Um, I hope that I would have the same outlook as yeah. Shawnette does, because um, yeah. it's incredible. It's inspiring. It's it's comforting to know that there are modern day jobs out there. There are, yeah. and we don't know what's going on spiritually eternally. Um, we can't control that, but we can control our attitude while we're here. And she's speaking volumes to those around her, I'm sure, because she's speaking volumes to me, and I've never met the lady. Yeah, um, I'm just hearing a piece of her story. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we have a tendency to either run closer to God mm-hmm. in tough times or to run further away from God. We don't typically stay where we are. It's, it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of people who, sadly, run away from God, and she has— Really, embr- and that's what Job did. Mm-hmm. Job just continuously embraced God, even when people around him they were telling him, "You need to curse God." You know, mm-hmm. look what look what he's allowing happen to you. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would you still go to God when all of these terrible things are happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and to be honest with you, as extreme as Job's situation was, I, I can't imagine how I would react in a situation like that. You, and, and the the, the the problem is, and what makes it even more um, inspiring, is that nobody would nobody would have blamed Job back then for yeah. cursing God. They were telling him to curse God. Nobody would have blamed Shonette for going the other direction. But that's what makes these stories so incredible, is that they didn't go to the bottle or the bar. They went to God. Yeah, and like you said, they ran. They ran closer instead of running away. And society says run away. Yeah, uh, God's word says come closer. I'm I'm teaching you something here. Yeah, I was just recently talking to somebody who's very close to me, who has a relative in the family who is not a believer, and has run away from God uh, because of some things similar to the Michael Peterson thing I was talking about earlier, some things that happened in their life when Mm -hmm. they were young that they just can't wade through and understand. And that's really difficult Mm -hmm. to get folks like that to understand. But um, I just know what I've seen out of God and and the the, the times that he shows up. And, um, yeah, the, the idea of moving closer to God when those things happen, um, every time somebody does that, it turns out good, right? 
Yeah, it doesn't and necessarily it, mean that the the situation goes away or that the situation mm-mm. turns out for the the best, but it it provides a lot more peace in their heart. But sometimes God will give us a glimpse into the um the why. Yeah. You know, you you start to understand, you know, both you and I have gone through personal struggles and not so many years ago. And we both went to God. And I don't I don't see how this is comforting to me knowing that I, while my walk is not perfect, I I try every day. But people who go through these situations, I don't see how they do it. I yeah. don't see how they do it without God. And many times it does turn out bad and destructive. Yeah. And when you when you don't have that avenue either either because you're refusing to go toward God or you just don't know that that's an option. Yeah. Um, and that's where we come in. We have to we have to scream it from the mountaintops. There is an option. Yeah. And um, crazy. Let me, let me share Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. <laughs> you know, this kind of reminds me of the, I mean, the current situation we're in with the Marathon Challenge. Um, some of the stuff we're reading on the Run Club, mm-hmm. you know, s- sometimes God, many times, God will use other people as our strength, our refuge. Um, you know, there's people struggling with this course right now, this couch to 5k couch to marathon there's there's people struggling but there's also people there to encourage um there's people who are part of this program right now and part of this run club right now who are saying i can't but then there's people also there who are reminding those people think back to why you said you could yeah and it's so funny how God will God will pair us up with those people, yeah. and many times we don't recognize it. Sometimes we're so blinded by our own fear, anger, depression, whatever it is, to notice that. But sometimes, you know, God God will bust down the doors sometimes, and yeah. it may be ugly, and it may be nasty, and it may you may be saying, "Why God?" But He's always got a plan, and there's there's always a bigger plan for our life. But we have to we have to be close enough to Him. To recognize him, yeah. When that door is kicked in, and it's 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 not something bad, yeah. But it's God. But so many times we're we're too far from Him to recognize yeah. His hand or His foot or whatever it is. Um, we got to stay close enough to recognize Him. Absolutely. You know, I, I this kind of reminds me of a of another concept of you know a lot of times we tell our athletes to whether it's a race or it's a practice. Go ahead and visualize what you're going to do when things get hard. So if it's, you know, for a marathon, it's visualize what's going to happen when you start to see that wall coming at mile 20. Go ahead and walk through that now because we know the day's coming. We, we know that that wall's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a triathlon, you know, what happens if your goggles fill up with water? We, we, we go through all of these scenarios in sport to – to be prepared for when bad things happen because they are going to happen. Well, 
shouldn't we be doing that in our in our spiritual life as well? Shouldn't we go ahead and think about the the storms that it's not if they come, it's when they come, mm-hmm. and go ahead and prepare now how we're going to react? You know, my wife told me about a, a a Bible study she did, and I I'm pretty sure it was a Beth Moore study, but it was on strongholds and fear, and Beth Moore's talking about how fear fear is one of the it's, the, it's one of the things that will paralyze us the most. Mm-hmm. And and I get it because I've been there before. And she talks about how fear, many times the problem is not the fear, but it's the, um, it's not the situation, but it's the unknown. It's not yeah. the thing that you're scared of. It's the unknown of what's going to happen. Yeah. And she talks, I think she, Holly told me she talks about it in her book or whatever it is she was taking that, one one of the things that Beth more struggled with was years ago that she would always fear that her husband was going to leave her, mm. and it wasn't it wasn't founded in anything. It wasn't you know it was just it was just this fear that she struggled with. You know we all struggle with some kind of fear, and she finally sat down one day and through prayer, she kind of walked through what it would look like if her husband left her. And she went through all the scenarios in her head, and it was it was hard, it was a very hard thing to do. But guess what? She realized once that once that whole process was over with, she didn't fear it anymore. Yeah, because she was fearing the unknown, not really the the action taking place. And she learned that it's not going to kill me. Yeah. I mean, I don't want it to happen. Don't get me wrong. But she she played out those scenarios in her mind, and and I think sometimes, I think sometimes we just have to play all the scenarios of what could happen out in our mind so that we don't dwell on them. We we play those out in our mind, we get past them, and we know that it's not going to kill us. And we're done with it. Yeah. I don't know how I got on that, but I don't know. But it's great with this ne- this next scripture reference I had was it's dead on Isaiah forty one ten. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We've talked about this a million times. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we talk about it over and over again. Uh, fear is not of God, no. and when we fear something, it gets in the way. Faith and fear cannot coexist. I like I like that phrase. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Again, no fear, but understanding that God is he's, he's with us. Mm-hmm. He's with us. And, and we take that for granted so yeah. much, don't we? You know, it, 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 Seanette mentioned this in her story. Um, anytime we have a story submitted um, – I like to go check people out on on social media. You may call that stalking. I call it checking people out um, because I want I want to know a little bit more of their story. I, yeah. I we hear a snapshot, but I want to kind of see their life as a whole. And um, so when she was talking about the the pinning the the badges on the on the back of her Run for God runners, I actually was looking through her pictures and I found that picture. Yeah. And I want to read what she, what her comment was on that. It's 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 a little bit lengthy, but this is this is the post that Seanette made in reference to that picture she was talking about. She said, "Today has been the coolest, most bittersweet, and emotionally encouraging day. Thirteen weeks ago, God put a call on my heart to start a Run for God class. I was a weightlifter, 
not a runner, and I was so nervous and a bit fearful of failing. The fact that I was thinking that he had called me to be a running coach, I thought for sure that maybe I was tripping. Thankfully, I was made to realize I was called and I chose to ignore the fear and trust God, even if that meant I was the only student. As I was anxious, anxiously awaiting for folks to show up for that very first class, I told myself out loud that even if no one showed up, I could teach myself. I knew that God saw my heart. He also knew that I was doing the best with what he had called me to do. So much can change in 12 weeks. This group has been so many this group has seen so many people come and go and we've still managed to learn together, pray together, cry together, push each other, challenge each other and encourage each other. This class has taught me more about real living and breathing faith than I can ever remember. It's taught me how God works through our lives and experiences to create a deeper faith without borders. He has taught me how to keep pushing forward, even when there were times when I'm pretty sure we may have all wanted to quit a time or two with a laughing face. I even learned how to get past my fear of sharing my testimony, praying, and talking about Christ and His gift of salvation in public. I will admit that this was kind of hard it was kind of hard not to get over that fear, especially when our silly-looking Run for God shirts started conversations with complete strangers. It's incredible how a t-shirt can be used as a tool for God to break down barriers so we can minister to others. This is not something I could have done on my own. I've learned more about how to meet folks where they are, with grace and real love, no matter what. I'm not perfect. In fact, far from it. And yet I have more peace grace, love, and acceptance than I've ever experienced in a really, really long time. He's got a plan for good for me, my future, and he's, he is my hope. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Thankful for every one of these amazing, God-fearing, and loving souls. Wow. You know, and the reason I wanted to read that is because we now know the most recent part of the story, and yet she, she, you, you never hear that. No. You hear, she, she's given God all the glory for everything, mm-hmm. and it's just, I don't know, that, that post just really hit me when I, when I saw it. Um, That's really strong. In this day and time, you know, we've got a couple of things that have just really devastated us over in the la- just in the last year, mm-hmm. last couple of months. You've got COVID-19, and people are looking at that going, oh, my gosh, the world is falling apart. And then we have this whole presidential thing and all the craziness that it brought with it. And half the country is really upset right now with where we are. And half the country is really happy with where we are right now. And the truth is none of it matters. Mm-mm. God is in control. And he is the one that will control where we go from here. We don't. The Bible tells us not to put our faith in principalities and men, and mm-hmm. and yet we still do it. I mean, I know a lot of really devout Christian people who are just, you know, either devastated or really happy based on on a presidential election. 
that's not good. Mm-hmm. We should not be placing our value there. Um, I look at the, the this whole COVID thing, and we we have people out there that are paralyzed by this thing. And the truth is, is that this is nowhere near as bad as the Spanish flu was mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, we lost uh, we lost uh, twenty million to fifty million people. We, there were 500 million people who were infected with Spanish flu back in the day. Um, today, we're at about, what, 100 million, I think, infected. So we're like at a fifth of that. And we're not even in the ballpark of the number of deaths. Which everyone's horrible. Which Everyone's horrible. They are horrible, and it's awful. But But again, we've been here before, but we forget that we've been here before and we forget that we, we come, we come out of these things and we will come out of these things. The focus is what are we putting our trust in as we come out of those things? Yeah. And the, and the, and the playbook has not changed. You know, you, you hear people on either side saying, how, how are we going to get past this? We're so divided. How are we ever going to get past this? The Bible's clear. The Bible doesn't say elect this person or elect this person to get out. It says to fall on your face Turn from your wicked ways, then, then, God will hear us from heaven and heal our land. Yeah, the playbook is very, very simple. We don't need to be asking how are we going to get past this. All we need to do is look at Scripture, and and God's playbook is very clear. Mm-hmm. It's we've got we've got to make that pivot. We've got to, and I don't like that word. That word has been so overused the past year, <laughs> but we do. We have to learn to turn. That's right. From the distractions, you know, I I was telling you on the drive up here. I haven't hardly watched the news. I, I don't care. I don't care what side you're on. Yeah, the news is just it. It's it's driving fear. It's driving yeah. fear, and we need to turn it off. Yep. We just need to turn it off. We need to stay informed, um, but watching hours and hours of whatever station you watch is not going to help. That's right. Uh, you need to turn it off. You need to turn to God. Take those. Hours of news that you watched every day, and see how much your life had changed if you spend that same amount of time in God's Word and talking to Him. Amen. That's the answer. That's, That's the, answer. the answer. And you can take that to the bank. Yep, absolutely, one hundred percent of the time. Social media? Nope. Grocery store tabloids? Nope. The newspaper? Not usually. The national news? Are you serious? Is there any media source these days that only shares a positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at jradio.com today and download the app in your app store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change. All right, so we're back, and it is time for Dean's Thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. And this time I talk about comfort um, and, and trying to relax while we, while we move. Okay, and this one's called Just Relax. I learned a valuable lesson when I was a young high school runner. It had nothing to do with me, but had everything to do with me. Let me explain. There was a sprinter on our track team named Kenny Laney. Not that the name means anything to you, but that's how impactful it was to me. I can't remember the names of many of the people I knew at that time. 
Anyway, my cross-country coach was also the, the head track coach, as is the case in many high schools across the nation. Kenny was having difficulty bringing his 100-meter time down to where coach knew he could go. Coach told Kenny to get on the starting line. He wanted Kenny, Kenny to run 100 meters as fast as he could, just like he was in a race. He got in the starting blocks. The command was given, and off he went, just like we had seen him do dozens of times before. Kenny was really fast to us distance guys. I think he ran 10.8 seconds. Coach said, perfectly done. Then he told Kenny to go back to the starting line. He wanted him to run another 100 meters, but not all out. He wanted him to run fast, but as smoothly and relaxed as he possibly could. You could see the suspicion in Kenny's eye, but he, re he agreed. He got in the starting blocks, the command was given, and off he went, smooth and relaxed. His time? 10.7 seconds. Kenny freaked out. What had just happened? Coach just said, now you know the power of staying relaxed. I spend a lot of energy telling my athletes to relax while they run. Usually you can see the tension by looking at their shoulders. When we're running, especially when we're pushing and trying to run hard, we have a tendency to bring our shoulders up toward our ears. Of course, tension will manifest itself in many other ways, too. If you have small pain in your foot that isn't bad enough to stop you from running, uh, you may have tension uh, somewhere else in your body because you're guarded against the pain in your foot. That tension can lead to other injuries because you're putting undue stress in an area that is not used to it. Tension in muscles that are not, are not being used to propel you forward is bad. You may think, well, what about my core? Shouldn't it be a little tenser? And the answer is yes, but you're creating spring-like energy to your running muscles in that case. Using the muscles that bring your shoulders toward your ears, well, that won't help you at all to run faster. And here's another thing. If you're tense in your shoulders, you're probably tense somewhere else too. Relax when you run. Focus on using your legs to do what they need to do to propel you forward. If you do, your legs may feel more powerful than they ever have before. If it is getting harder, relax harder. The harder it gets, the more important relaxation becomes. The bottom line is that relaxed equals faster. Back to the sprinters of the world. If you'll watch a world-class sprint race, Sometimes the cameras will get an up-close, slow-motion look at the runners' faces as they run. What you will see is their faces bouncing up and down in an almost comical way. Why? Well, because the best runners in the world know how to be relaxed. They practice it consistently. As furious as a sprinter is moving his body, he is still relaxed in all the muscles he is not using to propel himself forward. I hear you, but I'm not a sprinter, Dean. The same thing happens when we run slower. The slower we run, the more difficult it is to see, but it is there. And just like it is for the sprinter, extra tension is bad for all of us. As far as application goes, 
It takes confidence to run relaxed. There are a lot of things that are much easier to say than to do. Well, this is one of them. You have to practice every day, every run. Once you figure it out, you can be confident in running relaxed, understanding that it is beneficial to you. It is much easier to be relaxed when we're confident. It works the same way with God. When we're confident in our salvation, we can relax a lot more. We know the outcome. We can be confident that, just as Paul had written to the Philippians, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Be relaxed in your running, and you will be injured less. You'll run a little faster, and you'll enjoy yourself more. Relax in the knowledge that God is shaping you and the plan for your life, and your entire outlook on life could be better than you ever thought it could be. It's a great story, Dean. Uh, yeah, we should have confidence in both, right? Yeah. We should have confidence in our salvation. That's very important to, to moving forward because sometimes people attack us for our salvation, and being mm -hmm. able to respond to that um, is very important. Um, so that, that's important. But, you know, the, the, the relaxed side of running is, is equally, I mean, I don't want to say equally as important, but it's important. And a lot of people, I think, look at the guy who runs 12 minutes a mile pace and thinks, well, it's different for me. But it's mm. really not different. Yeah. It's the same for all of us. You know, we used to, we, I've seen this up close and personal. You know, you and I have coached Lane for years and years and years. And I remember the days when Lane's practice times whether it was his swim time, his run time, or his bike time, they were always faster than his race times. And it's because of this principle. He, Lane would get so worked up about races, and Lane really had a problem years ago about he would just – he just couldn't – he couldn't pull it together on race day. And all that stress manifested itself in his body. I've heard you tell Lane over and over, relax, relax, relax. But – he finally figured that out because of practice. He, mm -hmm. he, he learned how to get out of that mindset and to relax. And now, you know, his race times are more in line with his practice times. But, you know, in a practice, there was no stress. It was all fun and games, and there was nothing at stake. And he, he, he would crush his times in practice. But yeah. take him to a race, and stress level goes up, and, and that, that came through his body. And uh, it's – just, just him is a great testament that 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 principle works. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, and I've been through that. Well, I think we've told the story on here before about my first open water swim. Uh, so I mean, we may we may tell that story a little a little bit more detail soon. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for that one because it's pretty comical. Just uh, relax. I remember saying that. Just relax, uh, Dean. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, relax. I'm drowning. <laughs> uh, if you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step -step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. 
Okay, we're back. And do you know about Jim Walmsley? I don't. Do you know the name at all? Jim Walmsley is an interesting guy. He's a, a ultra marathoner mm-hmm. who ran the Olympic trials marathon because you know he was so fast at ultra marathon. And I thought, well, he had never run a marathon before. I think at that point, and came and ran the Olympic trials. And of course, I think he finished like fifteenth or something. He did well. Wow. Um, and and there were a lot of people speculating that he might make the Olympic team because the Olympic trials course was so hilly, mm-hmm. and all those ultra runners are really crazy good hill runners typically. Yeah. And so anyway, just recently, um, he he attempted to break the world record for a hundred k. Now think about this, which is sixty two miles. By the sixty two miles, and for sixty two miles, the pace to break the record was five minutes and fifty six seconds per mile. That's insane. <laughs> Think about how fast that is. That's one of those high-octane people we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. No kidding. But, you know, this is a guy who sometimes he'll run – his his workouts are absolutely legendary. Mm-hmm. He'll run 180 miles a week sometimes, just crazy, crazy stuff. But he's, he's doing this world record, and with 10K left to go, 90K into this race, he's two minutes under the world record pace. And um, he starts to slow, and he starts to fall apart. And he winds up missing the world record by 12 seconds. Golly. Can you imagine after six hours of running, he missed it by 12 seconds? How much uh, self-down talk was going through his head the next week? Well, interestingly, I heard an interview with him shortly after. I mean, like within days after this race. And his attitude was, yeah, I'm going to try it again soon. Good for him. <laughs> Which is the difference between exactly. the, the way a yeah. lot of us react to those yeah. things. Oh my gosh, that's devastating. And his his attitude is, Well, I feel like I can do it now. Yeah. You know? Gave him the confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So <laughs> Yeah. And you know, uh, one of the things that's interesting about Jim Walmsley is he posted all of his workouts online, so a lot of people got to see mm-hmm. all of this stuff that, that he was doing. And there's several groups out there that do that now, and I think about 10-Man Elite. If you don't know about 10-Man Elite, you can Google it and you can find out who they are. But it's a group of guys that all train together. Um, they're crazy fast. Drew Hunt, if you know the name Drew Hunter, mm-hmm. um, he's, a, he's a young guy that was you know ran crazy fast in high school and did some, some really great things, and he's, he's taken that to another level. But 10-Man Elite, they post their workouts. Mm-hmm. I mean, they take videos of their workouts and no post secrets. those things online. There's no, yeah, no secrets yeah. with 10-Man Elite. And uh, it's interesting because we can go back and look at that stuff these days. Yeah, I know Lane watches, watches a lot of their, their YouTube videos. And, yeah, it's, it's, it, it just goes to the, the point that we say all the time, training plans are not rocket science. That's right. You know, when – when we would prescribe workouts to our triathletes, we would say, you know, there's there's probably two dozen teams around the country doing this same workout right now. It all comes to that six inches between your ears. That's right. And if you can master that, then you'll be great. If you can't, then you won't. And um, and the same thing goes for the for the people who are much much slower. Exactly. Exactly. It's the, the same, same principle. Yep. Is speed speed is irrelevant in this conversation. It's the ability to overcome things yeah and the mental fortitude and your desire and drive speed is irrelevant in that conversation and i can't help but think that some of those guys are probably driven by the fact they know those things are going to be posted right so oh it, sure yeah Absolutely. it actually helps them through yeah. their their workouts and through their races because they know how transparent all that stuff is you know yeah online race results have probably sped the field up <laughs> exponentially through the years because <laughs> that's 
it's out there. On, you know, yeah. they say pain is temporary, but online race results last forever. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget. That reminds me of a time. And, you know, it's funny because I don't know if the same thing would have happened now. I remember one day I was in terrible, terrible. I wasn't running at all. And I was in really, really bad. I just started back to running. I was in really bad shape. And, um, but I was living down in South Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so nobody knew me down there. Nobody knew me as the, the running guy. Nobody knew that I was fast or anything else. And they had an all-comers meet at the local high school track. And I decided that I was going to go to this track. And I was just going to try to run a mile and just, just kind of see where I was. And I knew it wasn't going to look good. And, uh, but, I did, but I did it anyway because I thought nobody there is going to know me. Mm-hmm. And so I go to this track. And I took two steps onto the track, and a guy walked up to me and goes, hey, aren't you Dean Thompson? I was like, oh, no, I was hoping nobody knew me here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's, yeah, it's the idea of putting yourself out. That's why we tell people, you know. Post it. What, post it. Put yep. it out there. Let folks um, know. You know, it kind of reminds me of a, I was taking a, uh, it was a triathlon education class to get my different coaching certifications one year, and we had a, uh, we had a guy. He's, his name's Bob Sebahor. He's the he's the metabolic efficiency guy. Uh, if you ever want to look him up, but um, Bob was talking about how he trains his athletes, and he he really trains the nutritional side as much as he does the the physical side. And he told us he was about to give us some insider information on how to keep his athletes on track with their diet. And, you know, I had my pen out and paper out, and I'm ready to write down this brilliant explanation and he said i make all my athletes before they eat whatever they're about to eat to take a picture and send it to me and he said that cuts out any of the you know i never get pictures of ice cream bowls and he said because people think it's, it's kind of like posting online you're sending it, it to the coach he yeah. said that really keeps people in line and he said you can have all the greatest nutritional plans in the world but if there's no accountability behind it those plans aren't going to get held, but if they're sending me a picture, it's the greatest accountability there is. And so I didn't have to write that down. I just remembered it. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> idea. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's trivia time. We have a trivia question for this week, and this is the trivia question. Uh, I want to see how many people out there have been paying attention uh, because we talked about this recently. We talked about how the muscles work on one of our Thursday night sessions. And so um, – and I mentioned, so here's the question. I mentioned something that is referred to as the powerhouse of the cells. What was that, and why is it called that? Mm. So That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I like that one. So, so re- remember? Yep. You got to, if you know the answer, send it to dean at runforgod.com. Not customer service, not Facebook Messenger. You have to send it to dean at runforgod.com. If you're the first one to do that, then you're going to get a awesome run club box it's got a shirt coffee mug stickers devotions book it's got all kind of goodies in there so uh yeah go research that or maybe you know it just be the first one to send an email to dean and and we'll send you a package right out yeah and let me say this the the participation in that has has waned just a little bit yeah um, over the past couple of weeks and so your chances of winning are big opportunity out there right now need to get on it get on it All right, this week, here's why running is so awesome. It is always a great common interest, right? I think about – I'm not very good at small talk at just – 
striking up a conversation with somebody. I'm just I know I, we we do this, and it sounds like well maybe he's a great com- D- dean is not a good conversationalist, not at all. <laughs> um, but if that other person is a runner, it changes the entire dynamic of the conversation. Yeah, if you want to see Dean's face light up, just yeah. say, "Hey, are you a runner?" That's all you got to say. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, and it's it doesn't matter the difference in the levels of of that ability or mm-hmm. or whatever, because we've got all these things in common, and we can all understand it. We can understand each other in those things and so well and it brings people together who are young old yeah male female mm-hmm. different backgrounds uh it's it's kind of a you, even people of different languages i mean you you can not that you can talk about it maybe that's a bad example but you you get what i'm saying you yeah. you have something in common yeah with people and i'm pretty sure that it is one of the main building blocks of society at large i'm pretty sure is that scientific? Uh, we'll make it scientific. <laughs> <laughs> Motivational. You read it in a run for God study, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, motivational thought of the week. And this one is, um, I really couldn't find the person uh, that this would be attributed to. But um, it's this one. Running is about consistency. Mm-hmm. Fall in love with the process and the results will come. And that kind of goes with what we were talking about earlier with these folks who have some doubt. If you'll just focus on the next step, mm-hmm. the next workout, the next run, the next meal, the next whatever, and get through it, and your body will get stronger from that stimulus, and then you will be ready for the next one. You know, there's a uh, an Olympic triathlete who is famous for having this um, frame of mind, Gwen Jorgensen. Yeah, she's famous for saying that she never has um, results goals. She she had her goal was not to win gold in the Olympics back in was that where would she win gold? Was that Rio? Wherever it was, her goal was not to win gold. Her goal was processes. She wanted to run this fast, swim this fast, and bike this fast, and and if she did that, then she had reached her goals. Just just so happens. It got her a gold medal, but I'll, I'll never forget there was a magazine um, that she got really upset with because they had her on the cover of the magazine, and it said, Going for Gold. And she pretty publicly reprimanded that magazine because she said, "That's not, that was not my goal. Yeah. My goal was not gold. My goal was this, this, and this. And I think she was pretty clear in the article, if you read it, yeah. But the magazine, you know, kind of jumped the gun and said, going for gold. And yeah. she was not happy about that. But it's, it's the same thing. It's, she it was is. consistent. She fell in love with the process. And it got her a gold medal. Absolutely. Yep. So you remember the song, My Future's So Bright, I Gotta Wear Shades? That maybe that's, that's, that's past you. Yeah, that was Never before your that. time, huh? Golly. Yeah, there was a song. But I guess it was back in the 80s. My future's so bright, I got to wear shades. Yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> that's kind of the Couch to Marathon program right now. Our future is so bright that we have to wear shades. Absolutely. Um, so y'all are looking good. Keep it up. Stay focused. And uh, we're going to get through this thing together. And for all you encouragers out there, you know who you are. You're, you're on the Facebook group like wildfire right now. And you're commenting on everybody's post. Keep doing what you're doing. Amen. It makes such a difference. I've reached out to a few of you, 
and and I'll reach out to more. Um, but keep doing what you're doing. It it really makes a difference in the lives of those people you're talking to. There's no doubt about it. So keep doing what you're doing. Amen. Now may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.